and welcome to another episode of Essential Dynamics. I'm Reed McCollum, your gracious and good-looking host, and looking forward to uh, another conversation with my good friend, Mr. Derek Hudson. Derek, how are you? Reed, I am doing great today. It's a wonderful summer day, and we've got some really cool, a really cool person to talk to today. Yeah, I think so too. I know I always say that. Now, the thing about our guest today is that other than the fact that he's an engineer, he's a really fine person. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to meeting him. Who is he, Derek? Who do we have here in the studio? Well, I'd like you to meet Greg McGillis. Greg McGillis. Hello. Hello. Good Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. I, I'm, uh, yeah, it's a great way to start a Friday, and uh, we're heading off to Jasper uh, this afternoon and evening, so for tomorrow with some friends that come to visit us, so it's a, it's a great weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Well, wonderful. That's great. Uh, it, I'm used to being the best-looking guy in the room, but you're not so bad yourself. So, uh, let's, uh, Derek, uh, tell me what's so special about Mr. McGillis. Well, Greg, is, uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's, he's participating. Well, he's, he's conceived of and started a really, really interesting business venture. He's got a lot of experience, um, including, including running a, a significant Edmonton company for a while as CEO. And he's just got a really interesting story about how he got to where he is and who he's trying to help. And um, one of the things that I want to do today, which is different from what we've ever done before, uh, is I want to see if we can use the essential dynamics framework as we, as Greg talks through what his business plans are and to see if uh, this tool that we've created is actually useful for something. Well, that sounds like a worthy goal. I'm excited because I want to know what all this talk about essential dynamics is. What is that? Well, that's an excellent question, Reed. And if you're just joining us on episode 39, um, then you might want to dial back to earlier episodes, but uh, we want to talk about things like framing up our, uh, our, our uh, endeavors in the form of a quest where there's opposition. And um, I would, what I'd like to do is kind of explore those things with Greg. So the first question for Greg is, uh, Greg, what are you doing right now? And the second question is, how did you find yourself in the situation that you're in now? And that's probably going to take our whole time, but it's a cool story. So why don't you go ahead, Greg? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, thanks, Derek. Um, so what I'm doing right now, I'm, uh, I'm seeking to develop a solution for early te- detection of dementia. Uh, dementia is a really big problem in, you know, in North America, worldwide, actually. And uh, I, I ultimately want to contribute to finding a solution to what's called the preclinical state age. So that's uh, age 45 and above before any observable clinical symptoms are, are manifest. So it's a, it's a big thing. I'm, I'm seeking to likely do it through uh, brain computer interface technology. So uh, electrophysiology be the probably the easiest uh, analogy, EEG, electrocephalogram, that type of thing. There's more to it than that, but, but that's the basic idea. Yeah. So, Greg, you're, you've identified a problem, mm-hmm. um, and can you tell us a little bit more about what, maybe what's the impact of, of early onset dementia or this, you know, this uh, cognitive impairment that starts like 
what, what, what do people experience and what's the challenge with detection? Well, there's a, a number of things. Um, the, the main driver or the main cause of dementia is Alzheimer's disease. That's approximately 70% of all dementia has Alzheimer's disease at its core. And when you have Alzheimer's disease, it affects your executive functions or your ability to plan and think, affects your memory, uh, affects your relationships, affects your bodily health. It, it ruins your life. And, uh, and when it gets into the severe stages, the moderate and uh, the severe, well, severe Alzheimer's, uh, death, is, death follows pretty quickly. Um, and we probably all experience this with family and friends. So what I'm, what I'm hoping to contribute to, as I said, is to, is to um, enable the detection of, of dementia early so that they can do something about it. And there are, there are quite a few really good studies going on around the world that shows that in, in large measure, about 30% of Alzheimer's-based dementia could be not stopped, but prevented or delayed and the impact reduced if, they do a life, if we do a lifestyle change. So for example, our cardiovascular health, our diet, our sleep, our cognitive activities, all that kind of stuff. And that would have a significant impact on individuals and families, but a huge financial impact on the healthcare system and a huge financial impact on the, on the, the family, they can, the individual, I mean, they can still um, you know, earn a living. They're not such a burden to their family. Uh, so it, and, and just a better quality of life. So it, it, but the key is to try to detect it as early as possible. In addition, there are some, some really cool things happening. Uh, a company called Biogen, uh, a big med tech uh, manufacturer, they recently, about three months ago, released uh, an FDA-approved drug called Aduhelm. And what Aduhelm does is it, it actually will, will reduce the, the amount of, of a bad protein called amyloid, amyloid beta, uh, that builds up in the brain and affects neuronal activity, uh, they can reduce that. And hence, they can, they can have a positive impact on Alzheimer's disease. So the key, though, because it's a very expensive uh, treatment, 56000 U.S. per year, you, you can't just give it to everybody who looks like they're getting dementia or, or Alzheimer's-based dementia. You need to detect it. And, and so that's, that's, that's a big goal. So, uh, Greg, you're an engineer. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your specific discipline? I'm an electrical engineer. You're an electrical engineer well, uh, by training. By by training, and now I have a biomedical master's. Yeah, master in biomedical engineering. Right, and and you only got that recently. So how did you how did you go from a um, uh, you know an electrical engineer that works with machines to having this real interest in people? Okay, well that's a that's a good story. Um, well, good story from my perspective. So I, I graduated from the U of A in 1990, and I worked at a company in Edmonton, uh, Medenta Communications, uh, a real visionary. Randy Marsden ran that company. I was his first employee, and we were developing equipment for people with physical disabilities, severe disabilities, to enable them to use a telephone or computer or uh, environmental controls through you know, sip and puff and basically no movement of any, any body parts. And, and part of my, my, um, my study or my research study at the time was to figure out what's the best input method. And I came across brain computer interface technology. This is 30, 31 years ago, but it was completely um, 
just a research project. There was no commercial application for it. So after being at Medenta for a couple of years, I transitioned. Hey, hey Greg, can I introdu- yeah. interrupt you? I just want to talk about Medenta for a second. Because oh, yeah, go ahead. Some really interesting connections. So, Reed, I'm not sure if you remember or knew Randy Marsden. The name sounds very familiar, yeah. Derek. Yeah, so, so Randy's uh, inspiration for his company was our friend Cy Peterson. Oh, yeah. And so, Greg, what you have to know is that uh, Reed and I and Bryn and Cy's brother, Dave Peterson, were all in the same grade at uh, Avalon Junior High School oh. uh, in, uh, in the 70s. And in fact, it was um, on a Saturday uh, activity at Avalon where Cy Peterson was injured. And, uh, and Cy was a quadriplegic and Randy was inspired after he met Cy to, uh, to figure out how to make computers accessible to people with limited uh, physical ability. And so I knew you worked for Randy, but I didn't realize you were his first employee. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, uh, we worked together as students in, in university and, and uh, I guess he saw some, some promise in me and, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was a fun opportunity. It was, it was so exciting. And it was, as you said earlier, it was uh, referenced earlier, was awesome to be able to work on technology that would directly impact a person. It was, it was fun. I'm just astounded at what you're describing. I'm wondering if you've found in your study, uh, it seems to me that in order to, in order to fight Alzheimer's and other dementia, uh, one would have to know why it happens. Do we know? Well, uh, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I have studied this, uh, you know, reasonable amount. There's, there's two main challenges. There's two proteins that, that, uh, they build up excessively and they, they behave poorly amyloid beta and uh, phosphated tau. And what these things do, the one will build up plaque and the other will, will, will form plaque between neurons. So when the neuron one wants to communicate with neuron two, there's what's called a synaptic junction and and these proteins, one of these proteins will actually clog up that junction so that the, the neurotransmitters don't transfer over so there's no signal. And then the, the the other affects the electrical signal through the neuron. So it just messes up the way your brain is, is electrically communicating. This sounds, uh, forgive my simplicity, but it sounds a lot like cholesterol in the heart. <laughs> Probably very similar, yeah. Different different mechanism, but yeah. yeah. So, so, so I, I interrupted you, Greg. So if I go take you back to Medenta, you said, here we are working with people with limited mobility. Um, Cy had a, a thing that he could blow on and, um, you know, he, he couldn't even move his head, but he could move his mouth. And that, that's how he controlled his computer in the early days. And, and Medenta helped him with that. But you, you ran into this thing where if it could, if something could connect directly with the brain, wouldn't it be great to control that? You discovered that years ago that that was, you know, in the works, but not really possible at the time. Have you have you been working with uh, brain interface ever since, or was that? No, 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 not at all. That was more a, a discovery, and then when we uh, when we realized, uh, and Rand realized it more than me, because I as a young engineer, I said, "Let's do this," and he said, "Great, not practical at all." Okay, fine, I get it. <laughs> So I, I, anyway, after a while, I, I, I moved to another company into the energy industry, eventually became what was known today as Titan Logics. 
and and I had a really exciting time there. It was actually in the various versions and and parts of the company. I was there for 25 years, and and we we were a, we are or they are a measurement instrumentation and automation company in the energy industry. So uh, flow meters and level gauges and SCADA systems and you know just distributed control systems. It's really really cool things that we did over those those 25 years. And, and I had many hats as an engineer um, and eventually I became the CEO of the company and, and just had a great experience. Uh, excellent people, very talented people, learned a lot. Um, but uh, 2018, about three years ago, um, the, well, 2014, sorry, in 2014, the energy industry took a nosedive and we're kind of in that sustained, it's flipping up a little bit, but but our, our, we did really well. Titan was very successful with, with uh, sales and profits and market share across Canada, U.S. But we, um, we lost two-thirds of our revenue. We lost two-thirds of our people. We had, well, we had to let them go because of the, the slowdown. And then eventually in 2018, the board said, well, we need to change the CEO. I wasn't the CEO at the time, but, but the, a board member came in, and he's an excellent CEO with lots of experience. His name is Alvin Pike. And uh, he said, well, Greg, I remember the day, 8.30 a.m. on a Friday morning. He said, Greg, this is your last day at Titan. And that was a huge gut punch. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> so it took me about a month to, uh, to recover from that. And then I, uh, I, I did a lot of study and figured, what's my next move? I met with a good friend, and uh, we bantered back and forth for, for months. And um, eventually, um, in mid-December of 2018, um, I had a moment of clarity, uh, I call it an epiphany, where I, uh, I came to realize or, or envision that I wanted to go back to what I discovered 30 years ago with BCI, and, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it exactly. It, it was in the back of my mind for 30 years, or ever since I saw it, I, I really want to do something with this. And I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll continue with uh, down the, you know, the physical disability enabling path. And I thought a few different things, but, but I just, at that moment, I said, I'm, I'm going to do that. So I applied to the U of T, University of Toronto, in their biomedical engineering program. So I'm 55 right now. So that was 52, 53. And I was scared to death uh, because, you know, I, I used to have a really good memory, but I think I remember your name. It's Derek, right? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the memory isn't as good as it was. And I'd be hanging out with, with guys that are, and gals that are 25 years old at the peak of their game. And I was scared to death. But I, I, I determined that in order to fulfill this vision, this epiphany, I need to go back to school. So I did that. I applied. Uh, U of T was amazing. I, my wife stayed here with the kids. And I, I, I did room and board in Toronto. Anyway, I just so going through all the details. I, I finished it up. Uh, I finished in December of um, just this last December, 2020, got a master's in biomedical engineering, which is basically it's it was biomedical device development, and and part of that, um, you know, I'm the old guy in the class. These these people in the class are my child's age. My ch my my oldest daughter is 25, <laughs> and I I remember the one class I went to. The, the prof came in. He said you don't belong here. What are you doing here? I said, no, I'm a student. <laughs> so anyway, it was funny. So we, um, I, I finished that up and, uh, and, but in the course of all that, I, I should say, I had some, it's two professors that, that I just 
amazing, Dr. Harold Wadlinger and Dr. Paul Santer. They were excellent professors. They became great mentors and friends. And I was fortunate to be able to, you have to do an internship as part of the whole project. I was able to choose my internship project, which was very unique. Actually, I was the first one in, in this project, in this program, I was able to do it. And I think they gave me a chance because I was this old guy. And and Dr. Wadlinger, Harold, became my mentor. And I had to, um, you know, I, I did it on the dementia assessment and I the MVP, minimum viable product design on paper, not, not physical, did a bunch of other things. Um, and just getting myself ready to, uh, to pursue, and I'm continuing to pursue it now to, to take it further. So Greg, if we, if we, uh, start to layer on the, the concepts from essential dynamics, one of the things that I've explored a little bit, um, and we talked about it with Katie Burgess, um, I guess last, last week, um, was this idea that it's one thing to find your quest or choose your quest. Another thing to have it, to, to have, uh, been receiving, to have received a call to have the, the, the quest thrust upon you. Um, so you talked about your epiphany. Uh, do you feel like, um, there's something that you're meant to do in this space? Is that, uh, is that giving you some kind of motivation or direction now? Well, that's a great question. That it's it's really, it's it's the motivation that that sustains me through uh, the challenges. So um, I, I did well in school. It, it surprised myself, but I worked like crazy. And and I remember my first midterm though. I got sixty three percent. It was so discouraging. And <laughs> I was below class average. I, I I'm pretty sure. Um, and I, I just like, oh, what a gut punch. At the end, I got 92 in the final. So I, I pulled, it, pulled it together. But, but I, I kept this in mind. And, and all along the path, when, when things have been difficult, when, when I just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn neuroscience and neural engineering, and, it, and it's hard. And I can't say I'm, I'm really good at it at all. But I'm, I'm learning things that I, I didn't think I could learn. And it's because I, I feel this drive that there's something I need to figure out, something I need to contribute to in life and, and hopefully make a difference. That's, that's really what I'm what the core of it. I just want to say I am uh, terribly impressed. First of all, the gumption it takes to force a second start. Uh, a lot of people when derailed on their quest, if you will, uh, would would not have the wherewithal to uh, to say I'm going to I'm going to change my direction and uh, and the fact that you went and got a another degree in a in a very different field uh, is just admirable beyond belief and then now you're you know creating a new career for yourself in your fifties it must have however in essential dynamics speak. Uh, it must have changed all your uh, constraints and, uh, and it must have changed how you look at, at uh, opposition. I, I'm, I'm just amazed you never gave up. I wanted to uh, just indicate that, um, you know, I first came across the, the impact of dementia 35 years ago when as a young guy, I, I met a, an older lady and her husband and uh, she introduced me and, 
I was with a friend and, and she introduced me. We went into her home and, and she started crying. And there was this man sitting there reading a paper, smiling, happy. And she said, that's my husband. She was probably in her late 60s. He doesn't know me at all. And, and then I just, I just thought, wow, that's, it was, you know, as a young guy, 20 years old, I thought, unbelievable. So, so these things, I guess, perhaps just kind of sit inside your head and, and over time they, they take, take root. Um, yeah. Now I see that we're running out of our time. Yeah, this uh, one, we could talk, we could make four so, episodes out of this one. So, so first thing is, yeah, we have to have you back on and, uh, and fairly soon because what we got, I think, if you want to look at essential dynamics is, is we're, we're understanding the quest and, and the call. Um, and, and I really like that last story because, you know, we all know people like that. Yeah. And, and when we, we think about medical problems, you know, we had Alex on uh, a couple of weeks ago and he talked about heart health and, you know, that's, that's more obvious. You know, you have a heart attack, you have angina, you, you don't, you take a pill, it gets better. You get a bypass surgery, it gets better. This kind of mental impairment, that's challenging. And one of the things that I, I find fascinating, Greg, is that you want to get it at the earliest stages and make people's lives better. And so that that woman you know, the woman of the future uh, has a way of knowing her husband for longer yeah. and a way of, of, for both parties, both of them to manage, you know, that uh, decline. Uh, go ahead, Reed. Are we making any progress generally? I don't know. Uh, it has, mm-hmm. it, is, it seems to me there are more people with dementia now than ever, but that's maybe because I'm only aware of it now you know, as, uh, with aging parents or, or, uh, aging myself, I, I become more aware of it, but it seems, are we making any progress? Is, is it getting better? I don't know. We, we are, the, the, the rate of dementia is increasing and in part, big part, because we're just living longer. So there, and there, there's lifestyle uh, changes that people are making that, that makes a difference. But the research that's going on in dementia care, dementia detection, dementia prevention is staggering. I, as I've done the you know, last, I guess, seven, eight months, I spent a lot of time participating in webinars and conferences and seeing some amazing human beings around the world that are spending their life on this and the progress they're making. There, there are, there's other methods beside what I'm trying to do to detect dementia, but I, I fit into a certain niche, but I'm looking at a certain niche. So, so yes, there are more people getting dementia, but there, there is, um, there are amazing breakthroughs that, that are taking place in all fields today. Amazing breakthroughs. It's very so, encouraging. So it's encouraging, promising story. Um, and early detection, like all kinds of other medical things, uh, is key. And this is a hard one to detect. Um, the other thing that uh, I, why I don't think we should explore, I just want to highlight is the lifestyle things that you're talking about are probably the same things that uh, Dr. Alex Clark told us to do, which well, uh, in, included, includes exercise and good diet, right? Well, oh my goodness, somebody told us to exercise? I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one of the key statements is what's good for the heart is good for the brain. That's, that's a big one here with, with uh, dementia. Very well, good. you know, we talk about uh, opposing forces, but it's nice to have them line up too. So take care I, of your heart, take care of your body. It's good for your brain too. 
I should be very careful here. I don't want to leave any impression that, that you just lifestyle and it's all fixed because it's a real disease. Amyloid yeah. beta and, and, and phosphate of tau, that's a, a huge disease. So yeah. you can just you can just mitigate, reduce the impact and delay it. That's that's all in, in, in about a third of the cases current current research. So Greg, let's let's get back together because I want to hear about your drivers and constraints. Uh, but um, like I said, I was enthralled and I'm really grateful for you sharing how you started on your quest. Mm-hmm. Very and, much so. Uh, so. So thanks for that. I also think it's super cool that we have this connection going back to, uh, to Cy Peterson, who is uh, a hero of ours. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And so thanks, thanks for making that connection. I'd forgotten about that. If people wanted to get hold of you, do you have a website or a, is there some place that they can research more about what you're doing? Uh, no, I don't have a website. I'm, I'm uh, intentionally not putting anything out there yet. But if people want to get a hold of me, they can just email me. That's the best way. Okay, it's gmcgillis at gmail.com. That's Gregory McGillis, our, our guest. For Derek Hudson, who is in who has come up with the perspective of essential dynamics. And for Bryn Griffiths in the studio, I'm Reed McCollum. And until next time, consider your quest. Yeah.